Major League Hoops presents the starting five. You gotta pay to play, baby. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the third attempt at trying to do the starting five and the bench for Major League Hoops. I am John Ball. I'm joined once again by the manager of Bronny's dad for the third time. Chris, how are you today? I'm doing even better than the first two times. Um, I'm just living my, my darn life. And uh, you know what? I'm ready to talk about some draft recappings with you, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've talked about the number one team here that I have on my rankings about 50 different times. Um, and I apologize to everyone. We tried doing it via Zencast or what we usually do. And I just kept on having connectivity issues. I don't know what's going on. But nonetheless, we will get this episode to you. So... Overall, uh, in my opinion, fantastic draft by everyone. Really great to see all the league participating. I can't tell you how much that is fantastic just as a league manager and also as members of the league to just see everyone being involved. Uh, it's, it's kind of hard to get everyone on the same page, especially when one of the people lives in freaking Australia. Love you, Reese. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh no, overall, just a really great time in the draft. Uh, really smart picks, I think, across the board. Uh, as I go through these rankings, they're really based off of how I feel. First of all, we're going off of my rankings. So the play, the teams that are later in the rankings, they aren't necessarily because I think your team is trash. It's more so just because I don't like the inherent risk that's built in. And for me... When I do rankings, when I look for the future or fantasy basketball, I'm very much a play it safe kind of guy. Uh, I like teams with high floors. Uh, and that's just kind of me and my personal preference. But overall, fantastic draft by everyone. Chris, did you want to add anything before we uh, get started for the rankings? No, just uh, I agree with you. I think that there was plenty of pick vulturing, sniping, and fun times to be had within that draft. And uh, I think everybody did a great job. Yeah, I agree. And let's kick it off with the team who I already said is number one in the poll that I mentioned. And I know some people probably don't feel that way. Some people have already expressed me that, that they don't feel that Ian has the best team. I think he does. I, I really think he does. I, I've seen the projections i saved the projections number one from uh the like after the draft they have the projected league standing so i actually was able to snapshot that and i was also able to grab projected leads league standings off of our league uh based off of hashtag basketball now the one caveat for both of them is that they do not feature adjusted field goal percentage as a category on there which for ESPN, I think that's kind of ridiculous that you can't make projections on that, but you offer it as a stat, you cowards figure out your shit. Um, but 
overall, Ian's team, absolutely fantastic. I mean, all but Valanchunas are projected for 31 minutes per game. Probably the best point guard depth ever with Luca, Donovan Mitchell, Dame, and CP3. I mean, that's just crazy. Good luck beating him in assists. Also, he has, as far as the bigs go, well, he has Anthony Davis. He has Tobias Harris and Jonas Valanciunas as bigs. All of them have pretty great free, free throw percentage as big men. He's also not projected for first in any category, but he has five players who are bona fide studs, Chris. This guy is Donovan Mitchell, Dame, CP3, Luca, and Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis looked fantastic the other night. It didn't look like he was being hampered by any ankle injury or back tightness at all. Um, I just think the team's so well-rounded with stats on the bench. I mean, guys will produce, give high free throw percentage, and also a decent adjusted field goal percentage, especially as bigs off the bench. So, Curious, Chris, what do you see with Ian's team? Well, you already mentioned the depth that guard, and um, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. You know, you have four players who are kind of like top three round uh, guards. You know, that have been going in like the top three rounds, and then on top of that, you you do have depth at big because he rounded up his draft with four players that are either power forward or center eligible and Keldon Johnson, PJ Washington, Al Horford and Herbert Jones. And all of those guys are projected to be starters. So they're all going to be getting their 30 minutes a game too. So top to bottom, like there's not one player on Ian's team that isn't going to be playing nightly and uh, at a high volume. And yeah, it's just, it's going to be really tough to beat him. I think, um, like over the course of a full week, if he's able to gather up all of those minutes from his players that regularly. Yeah. And I think also what should be, what I want to mention too, is that I really do in retrospect, I thought about this trade a lot, the Giannis trade, and I really like it for both sides with Ian. He was able to get Donovan Mitchell and Chris Paul and couple that with Dame Lillard all for the price of Giannis. But for, for Pete, he's not going to be able to hold on to Giannis for as long as he wants in the foreseeable future. I mean, it, he was going to cost a first two-round pick, obviously. And so it's kind of like Ian gets a, like all the ammunition to go into this year, whereas Pete kind of has just that little leg up for, for the rest of the year. So I, it's a lot of pressure on this team that Ian drafted to produce. Um, but I think it will. I think it'd be very, it'd be very weird if this team didn't make the playoffs. I, I feel like it'd have to be some sort of colossal failure. Yeah, it would just have to be like the most unfortunate matchup situations. Um, yeah, where... I mean, because if, if yeah, but that happens, I, it, it does happen. It does happen. But most of the time, when it does happen, I feel like it happens because guys get injured. And in a league where you're having, what I think I have the top nine teams make the playoffs and like nine and eight play a play in game. So I, I think it should be pretty, pretty, pretty safe bet for Ian to make it into the postseason. Uh, however, you know, he, he's got to, he's going to have to take out some other teams in that division that are pretty tight as well. So let's move on to the next team that I have ranked here. And this is, this is a bit of a shocker. I, I don't think that anyone really thought that this team was going to, draft as well as he did and because we haven't seen this is coupled with ian had the best draft he's ever had and i think a large part of that and no offense to ian is because he had those early picks and this person had the best draft that they've ever had and, and they've been in the league since day one 
Uh, and they didn't necessarily have particularly great keepers, nor did they have uh, fantastic picks later. But I got to give Jimmy's team a lot of credit. Who's not playing today? He made the playoffs for the first time since the first season, uh, since the uh, first season of our league way back when. And uh, yeah, you get a surprise upset in the playoffs last year over three seed Reese and nearly made it to the finals after losing three to five to the runner up. I feel like this year is different. He lost you three to five, I believe, right? Yes. And, uh, but I mean, Jimmy's team, let's go over this. Jimmy's team is prepared, is projected to lead the league in three pointers made and steals by nearly 100 each. We don't usually see that from Jimmy's team at all. I mean, I love the pairing of – I love keeping Siakam over Donovan Mitchell just because I, I think it allowed him to upgrade, in my opinion, with, with Fred Van Vliet. He, he changed Donovan Mitchell into Fred Van Vliet and managed to hold on to Siakam in the process. And then he got Drew as insurance, and he managed to get Tyler Hero in the seventh and then get another dual-eligible big who could end up being pretty nice and Wendell Carter Jr. in the eighth. And, I mean, if John Wall, who he got in the ninth, you know, pans out, then this team is on par with Ian's. I mean, not to mention and not to mention a, a deep and maybe, in my opinion, probably the best bench in the league. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, John Wall had a great night the other night. Uh, first game with the Clippers, 20 points, 9 for 9 from – First game uh, starting, I think, because I, I think he came started. after them. Yeah. Still, 20 points, 9 for 9 from free throw. Really good to see. Um, it's it's a really well-balanced team. Um, and I do think that that move of keeping Siakam and then drafting Van Vliet instead of keeping Donovan Mitchell and then not knowing who you'd kind of draft in that first round because Van Vliet was a definite um, discount there. I think, you know, like Pete was tossing up, keeping him for a little bit. So, uh, yeah. And then you kind of double down on it with getting Drew Holiday. That just sets up your tandem guards perfectly um surprised to hear that he'd be leading in steals as well but i mean not necessarily surprised or like shocked i guess like floored but um yeah i think that it's a good team up up and down yeah i mean the the main reason why it's projected to lead in steals not a single guy in his starting lineup really only four guys in his whole roster uh, oh, well, not a single guy. Only there's only two guys in his starting lineup and four guys on his bench, or uh, two guys on his bench that are projected for fewer than 1.2 steals per game. So, I mean, I know these are. I know that a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, it doesn't mean as much. We're in a league where three pointers matter because of adjusted field goal percentage, and like they probably can shoot. So then the free throw percentage goes up, which also means that the threes are going to go up and the points go up. I get that, um, but these other categories still matter. And I think if he's able to like that pretty, pretty decent start there, I got to give Jimmy a lot of credit. This team looks really, really poised. And uh, yeah, it's going to be, he's going to, he's going to make it pretty tough in that samurai division. Yeah. I think that also the one thing that we didn't mention is that like, if, if Shangun ends up being really, really good this season, that kind of like puts this team even more over the top. I agree. 1000%. So let's move on to uh, – I'm going to let you take the floor because uh, I have you at third. So, Chris, talk to us about your draft. What were you pleased about? What were you not pleased about? 
Um, I was pretty pleased that uh, I had um, two picks in the second round. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> sorry. Um, so, yeah, I basically decided to keep Cade Cunningham over John Morant because I think that Cade Cunningham could potentially have a nice step forward this season. And if that's the case, then I, you know, substituted a keeper with somebody that I think is just as keepable. And I was able to scoop up Brandon Ingram and Julius Randle in the fourth round with those two picks that I had in the fourth round. And those are two all-star caliber players. Um, you know, I needed like a little bit of wing depth because LeBron has point guard eligibility again this season. So I'm probably going to be utilizing him more in that guard situation uh, rather than um, using him in the forward spot, which opens me up to kind of like a little bit more versatility and depth. Um, so that was something that I kept in mind. I assume that the players that I have that are single eligible players will become multi-eligible very quickly. Um, Ingram starting in the two and McCollum is starting in the one. And um, yeah, I think that even um, there's one other player that, I was like pretty hopeful is going to get, a, oh, I think uh, Randall getting center eligibility again would be really huge for me as well um, because then I could kind of just like mix and match. And then I had some late round picks that I really enjoy. Um, Clint Capella is just like, you know, a guy to beef up my rebounds um, and a few blocks. Uh, Sadiq Bey, I think is going to have a good season. And then um, Anthony Simons is finally starting this year. So hopefully that only increases his workload. And then I went with a few dart picks at the end because we end up usually dropping some guys to sort of make room for, you know, free agency ads every year. So I kind of picked two guys that I feel like if they turn out good and then I have some injuries sort of that happen to other players, then cool, I'll hang on to them. But if not, they're probably going to be, you know, the first ones that I cut if I need to win a tight matchup. Um, but I'm still excited about them. That's Hartenstein and Mathurin. Um, I think that they both could be breakout players this year. So we'll see how it goes. But I tried to get a little bit of everything. I wanted some safety nets, which is why I drafted like Julius Randle uh, at the end of the fourth. I was just like, that's just too late for somebody like that. Like, I know is just going to be solid. Like I'm, I'm not going to have any issues with Julius Randle all year, I don't think. Um, and then, uh, you know, somebody like Kevin Porter Jr. I think as much as he had his ups and downs last season, I think we know who he is and, He's just going to be there to provide assists, threes, and yeah, hopefully the turnovers go down. That's my one thing is that a lot of my players are a little turnover heavy, like Kevin Porter Jr. and Kate Cunningham. And although it doesn't affect our league when they get turnovers, it does affect them being out on the court, So, um, which affects everything. So that's the one area that I have a little bit of pause. I will say that you sniped me practically everywhere. You sniped me on... Randall, you sniped me on McCollum, you sniped me on Hartenstein. A really great draft, Chris. I, I got to give you credit. I mean, McCollum, LeBron, Cade, Sabonis, Randall, and Ingram, all of those guys could really explode. And uh, it's to no surprise that uh, based off of the ESPN projections, you are projected for the most points, the second most three-pointers made, the second most rebounds, the second most pick, and the second most assists. Now, I know you kind of punted on blocks, but I, I actually kind of love that strategy. <laughs> um, it was kind of like, you know what, whatever. And I don't know if you did it consciously, but it, it kind of works out because everything else is so much higher up there. Um, 
I also think that it's one of your best picks is, you know, getting Anthony Simons that late. I mean, 3.6 threes projected per game and 19.5 points off the bench with Hartenstein. And I think that's fantastic. I mean, we don't know what we're going to see in Mathurin, but I think the only one pick that I really hated, but I can kind of respect because it's going to um, – it's going to bolster your AFG as Capella. I just don't know what to expect out of him because I feel like Ogunku is going to actually usurp him. And there's, and also DeJounte Murray being on that team. Now, I think that his, we could see like a significant decrease in Capella's rebounds. But that being said, um, I think he'll still be serviceable as like a backup center who will have probably a little bit more value than say Steven Adams does, uh, has had the last couple of years. Um, and like you said, if Julius Randall can get that center eligibility or even, you know, if Hartenstein kind of blows up, then that that's pretty good too. Overall, I just think it's a really, really great team. And I do think it's the third strongest in the league. Well, thank you. Thank you. With number four, uh, I'm going to go with the two-time champ. I'm going to go with Paul. I mean, I Paul could have a team with as many studs as Ian. I mean, Jokic, Vucevic, Harden, Jalen Brown, my, uh, Michael Porter Jr., and maybe Jamal Murray. I mean, like, there, there's a lot. There, there's a lot of promise on this team. Is there not, Chris? Oh, there definitely is. Um, Paul had a great draft. Uh, decided to keep Harden um, and Jokic, which I think was the right call. Um, and then decided to lean into those early picks to sort of solidify the rest of the squad. Um, like you said, with Vucevic, uh, Jalen Brown, Jamal Murray, and Michael Porter Jr. too. Um, he's kind of the X factor here, in my opinion. You know, had a really down year, but, you know, dealt with a lot of stuff. So, not exactly sure what, what we're going to see out of him. Um, Paul went Trey Jones early, which made me mad. Um, drafted him 86th overall, which is probably that was that was outside of my comfort zone. But at the same time, I'm, I'm irritated about it because I really wanted Trey Jones. So I don't blame him for doing it because I probably would have taken him a little bit later on. Anyways, um, and then he ended up getting a couple of guys uh, late that are really interesting, like Kelly Oubre Jr. You know, it almost like hasn't mattered how much he's been on the floor. He's always able to find a way to like do something. Like even when he plays like 18 minutes, he could like rack up like 20 points. Um, and then um, I like Cole Anthony that late too. Um, and Isaiah, Isaiah beef stew. Um, I don't know if beef stew is going to be playing as much as he did last season. And if that happens, then I think that he's kind of expendable um, and taking him in the ninth round at that point is like a little bit of a hit, but Again, these are all like nitpickier things. Like he's got a lot to look forward to. I'm really looking forward to seeing what that Keegan Murray kid can be up to as well. Um, that might be really fun. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm kind of most interested in Keegan Murray. I think myself. Uh, like, obviously, there's a lot of like a lot of question marks, right? Like, what is it's there there's a lot of question marks but i mean Desunmu, i think it's gonna get a lot of burn now with uh lonzo out for an indeterminate amount of time keegan murray i am just really excited the guy has led the kings 
in each of the preseason games he's played in points scored and he's been coming off the bench. I think he's going to start. I think it's only a matter of time before we see him getting enough minutes to start. He's too exciting on the floor to not have him start. I mean, the dude had like five threes the other day. He could be really useful for Paul. Um, or at least a very valuable trade asset, right? Um, and especially like, I mean, if I look where he got Keegan Murray, like he got him in the seventh round. So he's only going to cost like a seventh round pick to keep next year. And that might be one of the, if again, there's so many ifs, right? But that might be one of the better potential keeper options with like the, the early, like painfully early projections, right? Yeah, definitely. Moving on here. I do have uh, speaking of champs. Um, I have Avery now. Uh, now I know that the Avery has one of the more interesting ones, right? Because when I looked at the projections based off of ESPN, right? Avery was ranked uh, eighth. Okay. You go off hashtag basketball's projections per game, Avery's second. So, Chris, I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts about Avery's team before I express mine. Um, because, uh, I mean, he is – this is a guy who was an eight seed last year. He managed to upset everyone, and especially you. So, please, let me uh, – I'm curious for your thoughts on his team. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, no, I, I really like the team. Um I think that he knew what he needed to do to put together a whole package and, um, you know, kind of drafted as like the, the chips fell accordingly to as the chips fell for him. So he started off by getting Darius Garland, um, which I think is a great get to go with his two keepers, Joel Embiid and Devin Booker, because Garland is like a true point guard. Uh, Booker's not. And so Garland's going to really be the anchor, I think, for that, uh, for uh, his guards right there. And then getting Bradley Beal um, in the fourth, I feel like wasn't necessarily like the game plan probably, but getting him that late in the fourth is probably like the only decision that you probably should have made at that point because Bradley Beal is such an X factor. And um, there were guys going in that same round that are not X factors, Um you know, not, you know, calling shots or anything like that, or just that they're not necessarily as solidified as X factors as somebody like Bradley Beal has been over the course of what, like seven years or so. So, yeah, I think getting Beal that late is the only way to go. Um, the Porzingis thing is like, <laughs> man, you, you got to shoot your shot at some point, right? Um, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Um, if it goes well, then it goes, it's going to be great. Um, just like it would be for anybody every year. But um, if it doesn't end up panning out, none of us are going to be surprised at this point either. But he did the right thing right after that by drafting somebody like Nurkic, who I think is going to provide kind of like a stable floor there in terms of his bigs. Um, I mean, obviously Embiid is going to be the one that's holding it all down, but like Nurkic on top of Embiid, that really is a good two center kind of tandem to have. Um, and which is like kind of like you really want to have like two strong centers, I, I believe, um, in this league anyways. But then, you know, finish the draft out later on by adding some really good guys uh, categorically like uh, Draymond Green, 
um, Kyle Lowry, uh, Bones Highland. I don't know how much run he's going to get in Denver, but I assume, is he the starter this year? Mm, it depends. I mean, I feel like it depends as to how they play Jamal Murray. Yeah, which, you know, he's coming off an injury, so, like, that's good insurance. And then Alex Caruso also is anticipating – or I anticipate is going to get more burn with the Lonzo Ball news. So, yeah, Franz Wagner, I think that that kid could really be what makes this team shine if he takes a massive step forward, which I think is a possibility at least. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything you said. I, obviously, the – if you look at his team right now, there's a zillion day-to-days. Now, granted, there there isn't much you can really read into that. We are in the preseason. Sometimes they'll put up day-to-days just because a coach is resting a guy. Really love the Bradley Beal pick. Love that pick. Uh, I kind of like the Kristaps pick, to be honest with you, because I think it's enough of a change of scenery, and he looked fantastic last year when he went over to Washington. Again, like you said, the big question is, can he stay healthy? I also really like the strategy that he took um, because he missed out uh, after he got Garland. There weren't a lot of other solid point guards available. So how did he make up for it? Well, he got Bradley Beal, who's going to average potentially 6.2 assists per game. He then got Draymond Green, who's a big, who's going to average 6.9 assists per game projected. He then got Kyle Lowry, who's probably going to suck in a lot of things, but he's going to still average a decent amount of assists again, 6.9. So he really made up for it without getting that elite talent and going for these kind of more all around game kind of guys. Um, I do also like the Nurkic pick. I like the Caruso pick because I think he's going to see a lot more floor time than people project. Like they're projecting him for 26 minutes. I think that's going to be more like 28, 29 off the bench. Uh, I even like the Jaron Jackson junior pick, right? Because he's going to, he has so many bigs between Embiid, Kristaps. I'll call Franz a big, Draymond, Nurkic. That like you you can afford time to wait for this guy to become good, and then if if he does like when he comes back and he's on fire, then you could deal somebody like Kristaps or heck even Embiid for some more depth. So I I really like the team. I think there's obviously a lot of question marks. You know, Draymond Green is away from the team right now. It's, you know, is, it, is he going to take a step back now in scoring and all this other stuff because uh, Clay Thompson is there, Jordan Poole. It, the assist could go up. Who knows? Who knows what the heck's going on there? Uh, Kyle Lowry, he looked like absolute ass last year. I don't know if he's going to be able to get back to normal uh, or if he's going to play less. Like you said, Chris Stops is another one. Franz Wagner, another one. I do like Wagner as well, though, because I think he, I think the projections are too low on him. I think that especially with Suggs now potentially missing time and Fultz and Isaac not being fully back, I, I think that Wagner is going to maybe even take another, a step further than he did last year, even in his rookie year, which would be pretty substantial. So overall, I mean, I think the, I think the champ did a pretty decent job. I have to agree with you. Nope. Next, I have myself, uh, the narcissist that is me. Um, I was pretty, I was really pleased with my draft, if I'm being quite honest. Um, obviously, I had my first pick. I don't know where he was ranked, but I, I'd been making this pretty clear ever since he kind of burst onto the scene last year. Then my heart's been set <laughs> on Evan Mobley for so long. So it's so nice and refreshing to finally have him on my team. 
Now, if he's able to be healthy, that's a, that's yet to be seen. But to get him and also to get Josh Giddy, like this is a team full of guys I've never rostered before. Um, Russell Westbrook, I was super pumped to get him late. I was pumped to get Buddy Heald because I do believe in his Indiana stats. Um, I was also excited to get Terry Rozier, who I would never draft in previous years. But seeing as how literally – like I went through Charlotte's lineup the other night on the box score, and it was painful. It's it it was painful to try and figure out where where the distribution is going to go because there's nobody there. Like Lamelo is just going to be chucking the ball to Terry Rozier because he's going to be like quintuple teamed and he's going to be like, I can't do this. Please, just somebody shoot it. And Terry, you're the only one who can do something. Um, again, I my worst pick was by far Brandon Clark, who I just dropped to make the waiver ad of uh, Tari Eason, who seems to be tearing it up in Houston. So I'm pretty pumped about that. Um, and I also added, uh, I dropped Suggs, who I accidentally auto-drafted. I don't know how that happened. Uh, he was my last pick, so it didn't really matter. But I ended up getting, I dropped him and added uh, Santi Aldama, who I think is going to be starting for Memphis now. Really excited about. So overall, uh, pretty excited about my team. Bunch of guys who I really am not familiar with as well as I should be. Uh, but also, yeah, like to get Russell Westbrook, someone who I, I do think still has a lot of value left in the tank, especially in a categories league, um, to get him as late as he went. Like I got him after Spencer Dinwiddie. So I, I was I was pretty excited about that. Yeah, all in all, I think that your team is really well-rounded. Um, you drafted based off of need. And uh, I think you did well in that respect. Um, you took a lot of chances, I think, is the one thing that I will say. Like, I think that even having Russell Westbrook on a team is taking a chance. Um, <laughs> I think that, um, you know, the Kessler kid in Utah, I had my eye on as well. And that could be really good. But that's like, obviously, it remains to be seen. Herders in a new environment. So we expect, you know, bigger things, but not always necessarily guaranteed. And I didn't even really know who Jalen Smith was. Not to knock Jalen Smith at all. He might be great. He probably will be great. And now that I'm saying it, he's probably going to like be like the end, the MVP this year. But like, I just I think that you took a lot of shots this season, and they're all like, I think that they're the safe the safest shots you could have taken. Which, when you're starting off a draft at a disadvantage of not having like you know uh, an earlier pick. Um, I think that that's the wise thing to do. And so I can see your team putting up monster numbers each week, like in all of the counting stats. And then, you know, like sneaking by with a few percentage stats and all that stuff. And just week by week, like, you know, just like traumatizing your opponents. Thank you. Yeah, I was, uh, I was pretty pleased that, like I said, I was really excited about my draft. I didn't think I had a bad one. It wasn't really like the only pick that I felt bad about was particularly the Brandon Clark pick because that was the last pick that I had. And it was like, oh man, or it wasn't the last pick I had. It was uh, last pick I had was auto, but it was just a pick where I was looking and I was like, I don't know. I guess I'll get Brandon Clark. And I don't even know if there's anybody after him that I wanted, but I just then to waste my waiver claim because I really wanted Tari Eason and what he's doing in the preseason just felt a little, it took away a little bit for me. Um, but moving on here, let's talk about one of my, one of my favorite, current, uh, few, bleh, one of my favorite, uh, managers in the league who is a frequent guest on here. And that's Kyle. Uh, Kyle usually sticks to, you know, and sticks to one song and one song only. And that is 
getting the guys who are three and D guys. And he kind of did that again. Um, he is projected to finish. Uh, I think it is seventh, uh, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. Seventh on, uh, seventh on both rankings, uh, hashtag basketball and ESPN. Not that those mean anything in the world, uh, especially since Kyle is also focused on, uh, adjusted field goal percentage, but overall really dug the team. Loved the Jimmy Butler pick. Um, I thought the Ben Simmons pick was also a great pick uh, to couple that with guys who really fit his kind of MO with Jordan Poole and Harrison Barnes and Desmond Bain, who Desmond Bain like finished, I want to say like 17th on our player Raider last year, which is kind of insane. But like, I think everybody was like, where does he, where do we draft him? Um, all these guys with very, very high free throw percentages, decent number of threes, but also some decent adjusted field goal percentages as well. I mean, Kyle's the team of the uh, percentages. He's the, he's the percentage man. So, Chris, what were your thoughts about Kyle's team? Yeah, I think he did exactly what he typically does strategically, and it, it usually works. So, um yeah, I think that everybody on the team fits into the mold, you know, like Desmond Bain is going to get a lot of threes. Jordan Poole is going to get a lot of threes. Robert Covington's going to get a lot of threes. Jordan Clarkson's going to get a lot of threes. But Harrison Barnes is going to have a high AFG. Bogdanovich is going to have an I, a high AFG. Mitchell Robinson's going to have a high AFG. Ben Simmons is going to have a high AFG. So it's just, it makes sense. He's somebody that primarily goes after threes and percentages. And then defensively, he, tr he tries to put together a team that, you know, will rack up the steals and the blocks too. And I think he did all of that. Yeah. I, I mean, Kyle's team is always going to be a pain in the ass to, to take down um, because of those percentages, because it makes life so much more difficult trying to chase percentages um, when those are already locked down, then you're trying to get rid of those counting stats. So right there, that's everybody in our division. Our division is going to be a pain in the neck. The gladiator division between you, me, Paul, and Kyle's team. I think it's just going to be real, real dicey. Oh, I'm expecting just like carnage. Yeah, probably. Probably so. Um, next up, I, I had another player, another person who I thought had one of the better drafts again that I've seen. And that's, that's Noel. Uh, Noel, I have him at eight. And again, like that, that feels too low, but I, I just feel like that they're all kind of in different tiers. Really. I consider Ian, Ian's team in its own tier with Jimmy and you being kind of in a tier one a, and then everyone else just kind of in the same hodgepodge. Um, Except for the last two teams. And uh, and really, like, Noel's team, I like a lot of these picks. DeRozan, Tyrese Maxey, who could really burst out. Uh, you know, DeAndre Ayton is another great pick. Middleton he got late. Potal fell. Even Patrick Williams, I think, is a pretty solid pick. But, uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on Noel's team? Yeah, I think he took um, the playing time kind of route. Um, like most of the guys that he has are 
in store for a lot of playing time this season, even if they didn't have it last year, like Patrick Williams. I mean, Joe Harris has always been hurt. So I'm like really hoping that he can put together a season where he can like finish the whole year out. And if he does, then he'll, he'll have some high usage as well. Monte Morris is in a new spot. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. When he moved over to Toronto, he looked like a different kind of player. Um, and then, yeah, you know, like smart is the starter. Potal's the starter. Maxie's a starter. Middleton's a starter, Aiton, just all the way up the board. So he's going to have guys that are on the floor nightly and for like the majority of the game. And that's a strategy that I usually try to employ myself. So I think it usually helps because it racks up counting stats. Yeah, I I 100% agree. I think Noel's team, Noel's team again is uh, looks to be a pretty solid team on paper and we'll see how it plays out for the rest of the season. Next up at number nine, and this may be a little bit too low for him. Maybe I'll have to re-examine, but I have my brother's team. Um, obviously, uh, handcuffed without a pick in the first or the second round. Uh, but it does get Giannis, you know. Um, and he did decide, in my opinion, it was the smart move. It was the smart move to not keep Fred Van Vliet um, and kind of just take whoever was the best player available in his eyes. And I think Zion Williamson is a fair get, uh, especially as like the first player really off the board in our draft. I really, really like the upside. I know that I'm battling a lot of people on this, but I, I just kind of believe in the guy. And I, I don't think we actually can appropriately predict what he's going to do on the floor because it was a much different team the last time he was on the court for the Pelicans. And I think the Pelicans have very much improved. I think Zion might've improved as well himself. So I'm curious to see how that team develops. A lot of other picks here that, you know, Colin Sexton, I mean, he kind of the best available at that point. Um, And I did think that he fell a little bit too far. Uh, Gordon Hayward at pass. Um, I mean, I just don't know what that guy – he's always freaking injured, and he'll put up, like, top 25 numbers and then just disappear for the rest of the season. Wiseman I liked as a later pick. I really kind of was mad about that one. I was trying to get him myself. D'Angelo Russell, we'll see what happens now that the floor is a little bit more spaced out with Gobert now on the court. Uh, Mo Bamba, like that pick. Lugent Stort, also like that pick. Um, Jaden Ivory, we'll see. Uh, and kind of forgotten man here, Mike Conley. So – Overall, oh, and De'Aaron Fox. Really like the De'Aaron Fox pick, too. So, overall, I don't, I don't think this is a bad team. I think it's going to compete, but I think it's going to take a little bit more uh, effort and aggression on the waiver wire. Wouldn't you say, Chris? I would agree. I would also say that it's going to be a tough line to tread um, between like having the patience with some people like Jaden Ivy, I think is somebody that I, I would really want to practice some patience with. Like it might start off rough, but it might get really good really quick out of nowhere. And then you might, if you dropped him, you might regret it later on. Mm. Um, but there are guys like, honestly, like if Mo Bamba and Lou Dort, like don't really pan out in like a week or two, like you got to let those guys go for somebody that's like making a name for themselves on the waiver wire. Um, Duarte is the same way. And your brother, I, he's not, he's not um, afraid to make those moves. So I don't, I don't think that he won't if like push comes to shove, but I think like Wiseman is another guy though. I'd practice patience there. Like, even if it doesn't start off well, like, you know, you invested a high enough pick in terms of where, like the picks that you had in him, I would definitely like wait that out for a while. So it's going to be like, that's always a, a dangerous game because you don't know who you're making the right call on and who you're making the wrong call on, but your brother's, 
pretty savvy with that in general. So I don't expect it to be an issue for him. And I think that he accrued enough talent in draft to put together a squad week in and week out that will um, at least go toe to toe with their opponents. Yeah, I agree. So Um, moving on here, we will go to our buddy, our buddy from down under our buddy who uh, the legend, Mr. Reese in the quad city high beasts. And I really think that he, and again, that when we, uh, these final few teams, this is, this is really where I'm like, I admire it, but it's kind of boomer bust. Right. And that's what it's going to be. It's just a lot of risk. And, but can the risks pay off? It paid off for him last year. Um, Lamella ball obviously kept along with Anthony Edwards, who we tried to make a swap and I feel bad because it was just, it just fell right into the hour mark, but I still like the team. Uh, and Edwards got bam. He got Shay later. We don't know what's going on with him, uh, but he also got Jalen Brunson and uh, Jabari Smith. Brunson, I think went a little bit later. Uh, RJ Barrett was a fantastic snipe there. I don't know how I feel about John Collins and Andrew Wiggins. Um, but that being said, I can't really complain. This, this is another team that I think will be able to compete, especially with Spencer Dinwiddie slotted in there as, and he was pretty good in Dallas as your second util. Yeah. Um, I really like Reese's team like quite a bit. Um, I like it better than a lot of the other teams that we've already talked about almost even. Um, I think it's too low. I think that he did a really good job. Uh, like he just, he focused on the positions that usually mean more in fantasy. Like, you know, like guys that play point or like, you know, a heavy utilized two, um, and then like bigs, like centers and guys that play down under the post more often, like, you know, Lamella ball and Edwards, bam, uh, SGA, John Collins, like those are five guys that I expect star numbers from still, like, even though, you know, they might've taken a dip or they might take a little dip in their play time or like maybe, you know, like in the case of Shea of uh, um, SGA, he's like a little hurt right now, but I don't think that's going to stop them from putting up like fantasy star numbers. Um, I think Jalen Brunson for as much crap as we talk about him, like he fell to like a, an appropriate spot, like in terms of maybe considering him um, a bargain. And then he got guys like Andrew Wiggins and RJ Barrett to fill out like the middle position, like the shoot, the small forward position. And that's usually the one position where you can kind of punt that position. Like, you know, you see guys like Robert Covington being in the top 10 on the player Raider in that position. You're like, wait, what, how? And it's just because of like, you know, X, Y, or Z, like there's really only like small forwards, pretty top heavy. So he decided to like forego that for the positions that usually have, more fantasy relevance. And I think that, you know, whether he ends up having Jabari Smith Jr., uh, Okongwo, or Talon Horton Tucker after like a week, doesn't even matter in my opinion. He's got 10 players that are really, really good. Last pick of like, out of like top 10 picks, last pick was Spencer Dinwiddie. That's, I think that's still a fine pick. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like, again, I'm mainly concerned with this team because of Wiggins, Collins, production from... I just don't know if Edwards is going to produce some some of those other underlying numbers in shade. Like those, even really, even Bam, I'll, I'll include in there. Those four guys, kind of smack dab in the middle, 
I just don't know what to expect. I think Ant, I'll put on the safer side, but Wiggins, Collins, Bam, and Shea, I just don't know what to expect. I think Brunson and Dinwiddie, if I'm being quite honest, I think Brunson, Dinwiddie, Shea, and LaMelo Ball is right up there. It could have similar production to Ian's team, uh, to Ian's point guard position. I wouldn't be shocked. Um, but I do think that I just need to, I need to see what he's getting out of these other guys, because if two of those four guys are a disappointment, then it could be, it could be a a tougher road than I think anticipated. True. I can see that happening. Um, next up I have team Fleming, uh, Justin's team again. I, I don't really hate this team. I love that. He switched to Halliburton, Halliburton, Halliburton and Trey young. Best two guards in the league. Best best one-two punch for point guards out of anybody in this league. Okay? Um, and that goes – that even goes for Ian. Uh, I'll, I'll say that myself. Uh, like, even Luke and Dame, I think I'd rather have Trey and Tyrese. Uh, I do like Scotty Barnes. I like the Gobert pick. also like Christian Wood a little bit later. Um I'm not sure what to expect from Paolo Banchero. I'm not sure what to expect from Jeremy Grant. Um, I also, Brogdon, I have no idea what's going on there. I I think he's still going to get his assist, but this is a guy who's always injured. Um, And that's coming from a Celtics fan too, who is like over the moon because I've been vouching for us to get Malcolm Brogdon for, I don't know, 45 freaking years. So I am thrilled that he is a Boston Celtic. He is going to come off the bench. And if there is any injury to any of those guys in the, whether it's smart, whether it's Tatum, whether it's uh, Jalen, any of them, he's going to be slotted in there. He's going to slot in there. Markinen also could be a sneaky pick because Utah has no one. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't hate this team. I think that, I think that these, there's like a high ceiling here. But the floor is also a little bit lower just because we don't know what to expect from these guys. Like, we'll, we'll go there, take a step back. Um, what are we getting out of Benchero? Is Christian Wood coming off the bench and going to average, like, 25 minutes? Or is he going to start and average closer to 30? Is Laurie Markinen going to really be shining? I don't know. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on this team? Yeah, so I definitely don't hate the team, but I do think it's kind of like from the beginning of the draft towards the end of the draft, it's like that meme of Mr. Incredible that just gets like more and more, like it just evolves <laughs> into madness. Like just in terms of like, just in terms of like, uh, cause I just don't know what these players in terms of, I don't know what these players are going to be able to do for you. You know, not in terms of like it, like it could be bad or it could be good. Uh, I don't know what it'll be. So it's not like bad in that way, but it's, it's just in terms of like, I don't know. Right. It's like, okay. Yeah. I know what, Halliburton and Trey Young are going to do nice. I know what Gobert is going to do defensively and all that stuff. Sweet. Like, Scotty Barnes, yeah, like, he looks like he could take a step forward. All right, Banchero could be, like, rookie of the year. Maybe Christian Wood might be good. Jeremy Grant might be. I don't – Laurie Markkinen, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Brogdon is not starting. Josh Hart, Cameron Johnson, Brooke Lopez. Um, so, yeah, just, like, by the end of it, you're just like, okay, maybe it'll all – maybe it'll all get together um so not not necessarily my favorite spot to be in but at the same time you never know um and now we'll round out with the final team 
uh, it just seems fitting that I I crap on Steve's team again because he he ended up looking making me look like a dumbass last year. So why not? Let's do it again. Uh, Steve, <laughs> I got Steve's team in twelfth. I'm still very confused as to why Zach Levine was kept over Sabonis. Blows my mind, actually. Um, I think that, and that was kind of before the Lonzo news came out. Now, granted, I, I mean, I love these pro- projections for Levine. I'm not saying that he's a bad option, but um, him and Dejounte Murray, a little bit weird for me. Definitely, the, I'll say the weakest out of all of the keeper sets. I could be very wrong at that. I don't have egg on my face at the end of this year, probably, especially with the amount of moves that Steve makes and will end up probably in first in his division. But on a, a bunch of really, like, we're praying here for for production. OG Ananobi. I don't know. I don't know what to expect from him. With Scotty Barnes, Siakam healthy, Fred Van Vliet. I don't know. Kyle Kuzma, is he doing that again? Is he going to average like 20 points a game again? Because that's what he was averaging last year, right? Close to it, 17.1, 8.5 rebounds, 3.5 assists. I, I don't know. Zubats? I don't even get me started. I, I have no idea why. Like, any Zubats has got to be the worst center that anybody's starting, if I'm being quite honest. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, I think, you know, you could slot Miles Turner at least into center. I guess. Um, but yeah, I think that the issue here is that the team's pretty top heavy, but the top that it's relying on kind of has also some question marks too. It's like, we don't know what DeJounte is going to look like this year. Um, we don't know how, like if Kyrie's going to have Kyrie stuff. He's the key. He's the key. Okay. If Kyrie is Kyrie, this team takes it up an entire notch, right? Because then you're, then you're having elite production, free throw percentage from Kyrie, Levine, and also probably Clay Thompson, I'm assuming. Yeah, like all the numbers take a jump up. That adjusted field goal percentage goes all the way up, performing above normal. You're getting a nice balance from everyone. I get it, okay? But you're really counting on Kyrie, Clay Thompson, Miles Turner not to turn into a pumpkin, Jalen Green to really take that step forward and be that player that he was the last half of the season. I am not saying that all of this is not possible. And plus, Robert Williams third might be coming back, and that might look like a genius pick. I'm not saying none of that is possible. I'm just saying there's a lot of risk. And when it comes to drafting a team, I don't like to put that much risk in there. I'm not that kind of fantasy player because I've been burned by it before, right? I think I think it was in fantasy baseball one year. I took Jock Peterson in the first round, which, you know, after he was like the fourth round. But point is, I, I just don't really uh, – it, it scares me when you take that much risk with some of these players and especially having kind of your two best shooters aside from your two keepers be – well, your three best shooters be two guys who you don't know how many games they're going to play and a third guy who you don't know if he's going to be the guy in the first half or the end of the season. Yeah. Um, I think that it's going gonna, it's gonna to need to click on a lot of cylinders. And that's also what we said about the team before this team too. And it's like it's not like that stuff never happens, but a lot of risk baked in. So high risk, high reward, you know? Yeah. And again, like I'm not saying I'm not saying Justin or Steve's team is bad. It's just there's a lot of risk baked in there. Good for them for taking it. And I think I do understand that there is a certain point when you're take when you're drafting a team 
when you've already committed so some higher picks, like if you commit to picking Kyrie Irving, then like you kind of like I feel like you you kind of just risk it, right? Like if you're gonna risk that kind of biscuit, then risk it. Go for the big risks. Like yeah, you might as well. Like you might as well, right? And yeah. so I get it with both teams and their picks. Uh, it, it's just a little too risky for me from the jump to throw them up a little bit higher. As a recap, uh, these are the rankings I had. Uh, Chris will probably do next week, or maybe even Kyle if we have him on. So, number one, I had Ian. Number two, Jimmy. Number three, I had Chris. Four, I had Paul, who did our new lovely intro that you will all heard, um, that Chris and I heard. I'm very excited about that. Uh, thanks to Noel for last year's intro. We will switch if uh, someone wants to do next year's. Just let me know. Uh, five, we have Avery. Six, I ranked myself. Seven, I had Kyle. Eight, I had Noel. Nine, I had Pete. Ten, I had Reese. Eleven, I had Justin. And twelve, I had Steve. Chris, I think that kind of about does it. Anything you wanted to add uh, before we close up this first starting five in the bench of the year? No, nah, good luck, everybody. Um, and even if you are, if you have a team that you know, like we didn't necessarily put towards the top, it doesn't necessarily mean that we won't put you there literally next week or like the second week after the first week, if there's just like some big, you know, catalytic uh, change. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. I mean, for crying out loud, I think I dumped on Avery's team like so much last year. Cause I was like, how do you, why would you take Kyrie? And then it's like, Oh, uh, he wins the league as an eight seed. So it, it doesn't mean you're anything. all stars. You're <laughs> all beautiful, shining stars. Well, When you're in our league, you exactly i mean this is this That's, is a majors baby because yeah. this is major league hoops yeah and that on that note thank you all for joining us and have a great rest of your week take care now